podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast with me, Rich Ferraro. It's been quite a week at the city ground with four goals going in against us at the King Power Stadium. Then we were all expecting people to go out. Instead, the news is Cooper in, Murphy in and Giraldi in. In a few minutes, we'll speak to the Maradon the Midlands and we'll hear from Tom and Adam to try and make sense of a week where the fans spoke up on behalf of the manager, just as we recorded our fifth consecutive defeat and slumped to the bottom of the Premier League table. In case you're on another planet, let's go over to the 1865 News Desk for a recap. Hi, it's Callum Castell with the 1865 News Roundup and uh, it's been a it's been a busy week um, from start to finish after the Leicester game. It was it was clear that Steve Cooper's job was, um, wasn't in jeopardy as such, maybe as much as the media were making out, but it was, um, it was obviously, it was obviously going to be questioned. And Rafa Benitez came up straight away as a replacement and then followed the list of Bruno Large, Sean Dyche and Nuno Espirito Santo. So, um, fans were left wondering for a few days, a, a little bit frustrated as well at the thought of Steve Cooper leaving for um, for one of those replacements. And uh, CEO Dane Murphy also looked like he'd be in the firing line. Um, and then out of nowhere, Steve Cooper gets the contract uh, announcement. Uh, he gets the new contract and Dane Murphy stays. Um, and the only real change is former Watford man Filippo Giraldi coming in as sporting director so it's been a it's been a busy week um a bit emotional and it's, there's been a lot going on but at the end of it Steve Cooper has his contract until 2025 um, and takes over the Aston Villa game on Monday so all's well that ends well for now um but I'm sure there'll still be a still be a lot to come news wise over the next few months uh thank you and I'll be back after the Villa game Okay, thank you, Callum. As always, as you say, it has been a bit of an emotional roller coaster. Now, let's say hello to the Maradon, the Midlands. Hello. Well, that sounds very cheery. Are you pleased that Steve Cooper is remaining in the hot seat and has his new contract? Yes, I suppose I am. Um, it adds that level of stability that um, has been lacking this last sort of week or two with the uh, speculation around his future it became it become a bit of a, a dead man walking if you will with the um, speculation would have peaked every time he played and lost so it's good for that good for the team i think it, they can they could concentrate now and just uh, for a, for a few months at least just getting their heads down working hard knowing that he's going to be around and uh, hopefully improve the results yeah, and I certainly want to talk about the dynamic between the players and the head coach uh, a little bit later on in the pod. Um, firstly, uh, let's hear what Steve Cooper had to say on Monday night after that crushing defeat against Leicester. 
Dan, I've just said to the players in, in there that this is a really difficult challenge, you know, with, with the group being as fresh as it is and trying to become a team and finding a way in the toughest league in the world. So it's first and foremost is about being as together as we can be, trying to build relationships on the pitch, trying to build relationships off the pitch, getting to know each other, you know, and you do learn more about each other in difficult moments. There's no, no doubt about that. And, and us including players and, and staff. So um, every day we've got to try and get something out of it. And it's easy to, you know, after another disappointing performance and result to, to hide and to shy away. And we can't do that. We have to stick together and we have to like, continue to, to try and get better at improving and becoming a team because that's what we have to be. And, and at times we're far away from that. There's not, you know, I'm not going to shy away from it. But for me, the more harder it gets, the harder I'm going to work and the more I'm going to care, you know, and, uh, and actually the more I'm going to believe in myself um, because that's what I think real leadership's about and that's what getting out of difficult situations is, is standing up and going for it. And, you know, I'm going to do my best to demand the same from the players as well. Uh, Maradon, the Midlands, uh, is that the sound of a man who's defiant and determined to make it work or is that the sound of what we've heard many, many times at all levels of football of a, of a manager who's kind of going, well, I'm, I'm trying to say these things to try and create belief. Or is it a bit of both? It's oh, a tough one. Um, I think, I think he genuinely believes what, what he's saying. He, um, he's, I think he, he, I think he still has belief in himself and his methods because they worked so well, uh, not only last season, but the, uh, couple of seasons before that Swansea. So I think he genuinely believes it. Um, he, he was obviously deflated after the match on Monday night. We all, we all were the, um, the way the team played. If, if it was, if it was anybody else playing, they weren't wearing a forest shirt, say it was Norwich city. And I've seen them in any other premier league season playing like that. I would have said that team definitely going down. So it is a mammoth task. It, we, at the moment we look way short of, uh, being capable of staying up, um, but yeah, I think he, I think he believes it, and uh, he, he managed to weave some magic last season. So let, let's hope he can do it again this season. And I mean, I've said it before on this pod and elsewhere, but I mean, he's either the greatest confidence trickster of all time, or he genuinely loves it at Forest, and he genuinely wants to do well for this club and for the city. Would you agree? Yeah, I think he is a genuine man. Everybody who who you hear speak about him speaks about his honesty and the fact that he really is a nice guy. Um, I heard Stephen Reid talking about him on Talk Sport this morning and about the decision he had made to leave the club in the summer. And even when 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 Steve Cooper joined, he he wasn't sure about if he wanted to stay because he he was feeling quite low about things after Chris Hewton got sacked. And he just talked about how Steve Cooper sort of helped him through that tough period and uh, told him you can have as much time as you'd like to make a decision about leaving in the summer. And I think every whoever you hear talking about him speaks about how genuine he is, genuine he is how honest he is, and what a nice guy he is. So I, th- I think we can we can believe what we see with Steve Cooper. Yeah, and um, 
after the match, uh, Paul Taylor reported that that Cooper did say, I'm not thinking about my personal situation apart from giving my best every single day. The tougher it gets, the harder it gets, the more I work and the more it means to me. Hopefully that is what leadership is, standing up and being counted, trying to be a role model. Now, in a world where we've seen so many football managers trying to make out that they're the main character, it all stands and falls by what they do. He seems to me like somebody who really wants to genuinely lead by example. Um, Let's go on. We heard from Callum in the news roundup, but he also did speak to Radio Nottingham's Verity Cowley on Tuesday to discuss whether Steve Cooper has has the right mindset and the right abilities to change things around. Do you think that's what you needed to hear from Steve Cooper after last night? Yeah, I, I didn't expect um, anything else from him. He's, he's just honest, isn't he? And he knows the situation he's in. And we all do. He just needs he just needs a bit of support. And there's there's a long way to go. We're not we're not so far into into the season. A win against Aston Villa could potentially take us out of the bottom three. It's it's not as bad as it's being made out at the moment, but we're just in a sticky situation now. Yeah, and I think in most normal situations, maybe there might be calls for the manager to go. But actually, I was flicking through Twitter earlier on. And as you heard there from the crowd um, at Leicester last night, absolute support for the manager. Absolute support. Yeah, and he's earned it as well. He's given us the best moments. Um, I mean, for me, I'm 25 and it's the best manager I've ever seen. And I like that day at Wembley, the semi-finals, the celebrations of the market square the day after. Like, that's not forgotten i think that was what four months ago and mm. like it was it was the dream to be in the premier league i tweeted last night it was it was the dream it was always going to be a bit fun playing city way even though it wasn't too much fun but it was the journey there and he's got us here so he just he just needs to uh he just needs time to get that team together okay on the very same day, uh, Tom Newton of this parish, he represented 1865 on TalkSport, and he was discussing the struggles that a newly promoted team and manager are likely to face in the Premier League. I went to the game last night, and I think it was a case of, like, if you look at, like, teams that have come up from the Championship, they've been, like, a bit streetwise. They know it's going to be a struggle, but I think we've got to be the most naive football team that's graced the Premier League. They're with and without the ball. If you watch the game last night, Leicester, they were playing like prime Barcelona. We just like let them come out for our midfield. And we've got, we've got to basically book up our ideas quick because um, saving grace, I know we've lost the last five. But with, if we win against uh, Villa, I know it's the biggest, if you're looking there, of how our form is at the moment. If you win the next two games, you're out the relegation zone. We haven't been caught adrift at the moment. But, um, but yeah, but it, the players have they've got to book up their ideas and they've got to be not naive and actually wise up quick. I just can't see a world where, as things stand, you're going to get out of trouble. Are you still backing Cooper to the very end? Is he still the answer? Yeah, if if you look at it, and like last night, I mean, yeah, he hasn't helped himself in terms of like I don't want to be disrespectful to um, Steve Cook, but I don't think he's got the legs for the uh, the Premier League when you got like Vardy running the channels. But if we do get rid of Steve Cooper and we get, say, for example, Russell Benitez, and we still at like square one because. The core of our side from last year is not there anymore. Your likes of uh, James Garner, Jed Spence, Philip Zinkenagel, Keenan Davis, etc., are not there. So basically, it's a brand new side. So if we get a new manager in, he's got to work out what the best partnerships are, how the players' mannerisms 
on and off the field. So I don't think we're gaining anything if we get rid of Steve Cooper. And he's put us in this unbelievable position of being in the Premier League. He's the only one in 23 years to do it. And he's not only has galvanised the football club, he's galvanised the city. Married on the Midlands, you've already told us that you're pleased. We've heard through these pieces of audio that there's a real air of defiance, not only from the head coach, but from the fans. Okay, we've got two guys who contribute to this podcast and other opinions may be available. Now, with that air of defiance in mind, how surprised really were you when it was announced that Cooper's job was on the line and also the jobs of Dane Murphy as CEO and the recruitment team who've not long joined the club? Um, I wasn't surprised about Steve Cooper's job because based solely on on the fact who our owners are and they've already sacked um, the manager at Olympiacos this season after 11 games and they've got a reputation of going through managers uh, quicker than I change my underpants. But um, so it wasn't a surprise in that sense. It's, 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 it makes a pleasant change for some sort of level of decency to have been shown um, and so the man who's, who's done such a good job to be given the chance to see it through a bit longer. Um, maybe, I mean, the fact that they're giving him a new contract up until 2025, maybe they're even willing to stick with him if we go down. A lot, a lot of the fans in our, in our sort of group have been saying... Um, he'd be the best man to bring us up if we do go down. So maybe they're even thinking that far ahead and, and thinking, well, we've tried a few managers in the championship and they've never really worked out. So this, we've got a proven uh, track record with Steve Cooper in the championship. So maybe, maybe this is me being optimistic, uh, sticking with him with the thought of next season. Um, Dane Murphy and, and, and the others, it, it I mean, <clears throat> is it did surprise me because um, they they did a relatively good job last year, and it seems like a very quick quick judgment to make to throw get rid of them all just sort of two well two months into the season. If that would have been the case, it would have been admission that that the owners think that the signings we've made have been rubbish and the business we did over the summer was terrible. And I think it's a bit too quick to judge that at the moment. And especially when it, it seemed like the owners, some were sort of pretty heavily involved in those decisions. So it, I, I can understand why the review was made. I can, there's obviously a sense of panic that having spent all that money, we're sitting bottom of the league now and we're playing pretty terribly. That it is right that there is some sort of um, soul searching occurring, but I think it would have been too quick to pull the bullet on 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 the whole sort of. Uh, structure of the club after it served us so well last season and we were all sort of so full of praise and, and frankly self-praise coming out of the club about how how well it was being run now yeah you, you you hit upon a couple of interesting things there so obviously when when murphy was appointed people uh looked at the barnsley model not just what murphy did in his time as barnsley chief executive but also the model that, that the club were were using in terms of their recruitment and their methods, even down to uh, their attempts at continuity when appointing managers. And of course, you know, (laughs) whether it's coincidence or not that Barnsley have struggled since Murphy's left, who knows, because they seem to have thrown a lot of things, a lot of babies out with the bathwater. But we're not here to talk about Barnsley, we're talking about Forest. And with Murphy coming in, what it did seem to uh, herald was an era in which Forest 
seemed to recruit players far more sensibly. They didn't go with the gung-ho recruitment that we'd seen previously in the Maranakis regime. What was it, 80-odd players in five years? They seemed to hold fire a little bit more. They seemed to recruit broadly, pretty sensibly, in January as well, with, with the likes of Steve Cook and Keenan Davis coming in. And not all of them have worked out. So obviously Ojeda and Lario are obviously signed with the championship in mind and, and, and they've been sent out on loan. Now, all of those things in mind, the summer, we did seem to go back to the silly season, didn't we? And and that kind of let's sign everyone in sight approach. Now, we knew we needed to sign players to get a team and a squad for the Premier League, but there was a point where I think even most sensible Forest fans were going, we need to sign players, but this is a bit much, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, just the day after the uh, playoff final, I, I thought maybe we, we'd need 12 players. And I thought that was a, a pretty much impossible task to get 12 players in, just in terms of quantity and quality for the Premier League. That quickly went up to 14 when when the two keepers changed. And then I'd sort of backed it in uh, the likes of Lewis Graben and Joe Lolly staying in. So that, that takes us up to 16 players. So we did need a, a bare minimum of sort of 16 players. Where it's gone a bit awry maybe is, is just the last sort of few few days of the transfer window where maybe there's a sense of panic after the uh, defeat at Newcastle. Um, we seem to sort of step up our, our policy, our uh, acquisitions then. And the policy of sort of signing younger players went, went out the window. The, the first few signings, you can see a very clear um, strategy behind it. Sort of younger players, um, like some Mangala, O'Brien, um, uh, Taiwo, uh, with the who were sort of signed with the prospect of thinking they could develop into good Premier League players. By the end of it, we because we maybe looked so inexperienced in the Newcastle game, they were just um, desperate for experience, and I, I can't blame them for that because I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking we look really naive and signing the likes of Coyote and um, Serge Aurier might doesn't seem that crazy a thing to do. Um, only time will tell if they're going to turn into good signings, but um, it was just where maybe the one or two, well, the guy, the Korean guy we, we signed and sent him to Olympia because he's never going to play for Boris. So things like that skewed the transfer window a little bit as well. The bowler one didn't really make any sense. I don't see how he's going to benefit from a season in, in Greece. Um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a difficult situation, but they needed those. They needed players, but maybe just the last few players at the end don't quite fit the profile. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for signing Josh Bowler, but you'd have thought it'd make more sense to let him spend the season, retain his seat, you know, in the championship, probably at Blackpool where he's comfortable. Um, yeah, you mentioned Serge Aurier, Cheku Kiate, Willie Bolly's another one. I mean, Aurier did okay when he came on against Leicester, but Kiate and Bolly. You can't help but feel that we've signed players who are way past their peak there. <laughs> Would you agree? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I think he's a bit quick to judge them still. But, but Bolly was pretty good in the first half. It's the second half. He seemed to go walkies. And the same with Kiate. He just, if he just stood, sat in front of the defence, I think there was a, as a telling telling moment. I think, I can't remember if it was second, after the second or third goal, where um, the sort of, they showed a picture on, on the TV of of, of of the players of having a mini conference. So they're just saying Steve Cook and um, 
Morgan Gibbs White were telling O'Brien and Kiata stocks or one it looked like they were saying two pointing to two fingers, say, two of you sit there and start running away. And I, th- I think if you just sat in that position in front of the fence, he'd look great. But he, mm-hmm. he's got a tendency to start sort of drifting out of position as well, which for somebody who's got so much experience is is strange. Um, I'm not willing to sort of write them off just yet because it, it's been too soon and they could turn into good servants for the club. It's just, they just all of them collectively just need to step up their games, work harder. I just didn't see any work rate in the Leicester game. Mm. Just simple things, just work. Steve, Steve Cooper put it as winning their duels. And that's, that's, that's exactly it. It's, it's the individual battles against your direct opponent. We're making it way too easy for people. Nico Williams, when he just let let the um, let the Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes cut inside, that's, yeah. that's criminal. We all that's, know that that's exactly what he's going to do, don't we? And and in the first half, Johnson, Gibbs, White, and, and Lingard, uh, and and Tyra may as well not have been on the pitch. It was it was just they were just so, so little contribution. Yeah. When you are the worst team in the division, which we quite possibly are, you've got to work. Be, make sure you are the hardest working team in that division and yeah. not, not leave anything out there. There's just, at the moment, it's just making it way, way too easy for the opposition. Yeah. And, and, and Tom and Stephen in their match report, they did make those points, didn't they? Especially about the front four being way isolated, which means, you know, you have to defend from the front, especially when you are a team who are losing matches, you know, hand over fist. So, so I completely agree with you about all of those things. I also agree that, you know, we shouldn't be writing off any of the players just yet because they could be, you know, it's a squad game and they could be valuable squad members, even if they're not necessarily first choice. Um, also, just just very briefly, because, you know, the Leicester match we covered in the match report uh, last week, but very briefly, it's easy to say when you're already 3-0 down, but I thought the team had a better shape and discipline in the second half when in midfield we had Remo Freuler very much sitting in the number six role and Mangala and Yates um, running the channels alongside him and and kind of playing as the number eights with the front three spread more widely across the pitch. Yes, we were 3-0 down, so Leicester took their foot off the gas, but there were there were signs there. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I mean, I think no, none of us would have picked that. Well, none of us did pick that line-up in, in when we did our, our preferred 11 uh, pod. And I, I think we're all, I was adamant, and I think I've heard sort of general consensus that you can't play Gibbs White, Johnson and Lingard as a three, that's just way too open, way too offensive. And I think we all sort of picked people like uh, Mangala O'Brien. I'm in my own personal eleven picked O'Brien as as the sort of the number number ten or the more advanced of the three. Mm-hmm. But you've got to have those two or three of them in there, just working hard because we're just not good enough to have those have Lingard, Gibbs, White, and Johnson sustaining. They just it's just way too open. And it does worry me that Steve Cooper keeps doing things like this because it's not a long season. We've pretty much played 25% of the league games already. So um, I just hope he learns quickly and sees sees what the rest of us see. Well, that's the point I was going to make. So it's, it, that's that's an indication, isn't it, that, that even Cooper is learning on the job because that is not a formation that Forrest have played at any stage in his year in charge. Um, that is not a tactical approach that Forrest have had. So, um, you know, at 3-0 down, he's got that kind of 
you know, let's try this and see if it works better because he's tried the box in midfield. He's tried the 3-4-3. He's tried the 3-4-1-2. He's all of these different things. He's tried the 4-2-3-1. So trying a different formation and tactical approach, that's you have to try it on the pitch in an actual match as because just doing it in training isn't enough. So let's see what that means. Um, thanks for now, Mario on the Midlands. In a few minutes, we'll we'll come back and talk about the way the club is run, and we'll have a chat about whether Steve Cooper and the appointment of Filippo Giraldi mark an end to the volatility of the last twelve years or so at the City Ground. You're listening to eighteen sixty five, the Forest podcast. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. We're discussing Steve Cooper's rise like a phoenix from the ashes to not only retain his job, but sign a new contract as the Nottingham Forest boss. Now, Ahead of Monday's game against Aston Villa, our sports social stablemates, for the love of Paul McGrath, asked me to record an explainer of why Forrest are not doing so well at the moment. So I sent them this. I've been asked to give you a short explainer of the situation at the city ground and whether we're really doing a Fulham or maybe a Villa under Dean Smith. You decide. So the things that you know. Forrest unexpectedly got promoted in the summer. It's a wonderful day out at Wembley. And despite being rock bottom when Steve Cooper was appointed just over a year ago, they had this meteoric rise in which Cooper established a style of play. He built the confidence of of a ragtag team, which included five loanees, a few veterans and a borderline basket case in between the sticks. Now, in truth, we got promoted too early, didn't we? And we're discovering how hard it it really is. So um, of the team that, that came up, we had some low knees, so Zinkenagel and Lowe were, were not pursued, rightly or wrongly. Jed Spence had his heart set on Tottenham, where he's played one minute of Premier League football against us. And Jimmy Garner was left in limbo at Man United um, because Eric Ten Hag said he wanted to have a look at him, so didn't make him available for transfer and meant that Forrest had to pursue other options in the meantime. Your lad, Keenan Davis, he was really popular, but he did miss half of his loan spell at the City Ground due to injury, which meant the £15 million price tag didn't feel realistic, so we signed Taiwo Awanyi for £17 million instead. So, we had eight or nine first-teamers leaving, including our skipper and former Villa loanee, Lewis Graben, and therefore we didn't have enough players for a team, never mind a 25-man squad. So despite all the publicity about us making 22 signings, there's only one man from last season who was regularly in the squad who's missed out. And Cafu can consider himself really unlucky, actually. Married on the Midlands. I mean, I tried to cover the scale of change at Forest and... I think Villa fans will hopefully empathise a little bit because they had to sign, spend a lot of money when they got promoted. And and you could argue that they weren't expecting to get promoted when they did either. Do you think there's some consolation to be taken from the fact that they did, albeit by the skin of their teeth, and a dodgy Hawkeye call managed to stay up that season? Um, well, they did have Jack Grealish. 
So uh, <laughs> that was probably the major factor. He was the reason why they got promoted that season. And um, he, without that's the reason why they had to spend so much money as well, because they I mean, that's it, pretty pretty bang average. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a really tough, tough task for us. Um, the way we've been playing, we, we, we still we still look pretty short of, of Premier League quality. Um, speaking realistically, and we, we, I'd love for us to go on a, a brilliant run and and uh, pull out of it. I mean, we're only we're only one win away from being out of the relegation zone. So I mean, still no need to be too despondent, but it, it's it's really really tough. Mm. Now, Adam from our podcast, he's been a pretty staunch defender of Steve Cooper. And, and, and he has said, especially in our, in our WhatsApp group, he's been sort of saying, well, the players, the players are good, but they're not necessarily doing what they should be doing. So um, once the news had been announced that Cooper had signed his new contract, I asked Adam his thoughts. So, Steve Cooper has signed a new deal to 2025. I am absolutely over the moon at this news. I think that we all have to consider one thing. Steve, many managers came before him and tried to get us into the Premier League. He's the manager that did it. Nine games in, even if we're a rock bottom on zero points, you cannot turn around and say, well, he needs to go. He got us there. Without him, we wouldn't be there in the first place. And the fact that the contract's for 2025 actually tells me that not, the board have not only gone, we're going to give you this season, and if you go down, you're going to get us back up, but they've gone, you know, we're going to give you a couple of years now to really focus on building around you as a manager. Clubs that build around a manager often have more success, and it often brings a stability to the club that players come in knowing that they're going to be playing under a certain manager. For example, Morgan Gibbs-White, who I'm sure came to Forest mainly because of Steve Cooper. So I'll look at it this way and say this. I would argue that the, the fault of where we are at this point in time is more down to the players on the pitch not adapting to Steve Cooper's system as quickly as maybe we would have liked them to. Um, but I'm convinced that it will come good. I'm not really worried. We've brought in some brilliant players. Like you know, you, We've brought in internationals. We've brought in Champions League players. Um, I don't see a, a reason to panic yet. Villa game's massive, but I know it's a very hypothetical scenario, but if we beat Villa and Wolves, I don't think anyone would even question that the manager's job would have been in, you know. Anyway, I, I think that that's, that, you know, that's the big one for me. Beat, win the next two games. The three after that are going to be very tough to get anything from. But win the next two games, gets us in a certain position. I've said before, and I'll say it again, as long as we're not in the bottom three by the World Cup, I think there's a lot of room to be positive. But even if we are, as long as we're not adrift, we can still be positive and get behind those, te- that and those lads. And on Monday, the city ground needs to be absolutely rocking. Married on the Midlands. I mean, Adam had a lot, had a, a lot to say there. And some of it does hark back to what we were talking about before, which is to do with, you know, players having to gel and and do what they should be doing. But also, I think, as we've already said, surely Steve Cooper has to bear some responsibility for tactics and team selection. He can't just stick with the formula that that worked so well last season, can he? 
Yeah, I mean, he has come in for some criticism already this year. Um, some of the decisions have been strange. I was shocked to see Steve Cook back in there again um, on Monday night. Um, it just it's, it seems really strange to keep on playing him as well. Um, and and the, I can understand why he he went stuck went with a three man defence early on in the season. Um, it served us so well last season, but I think it was pretty obvious pretty soon that pretty early on that it was it wasn't going to work in this division. So he does have to bear some responsibility, um, but hopefully he's learnt now and we can improve. And from what we know of him, you know he is an intelligent football guy, and therefore he's not one of those "this is my method and I'll stick to it" kind of people. I don't think. No, I, 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 I don't think he'd be like that. He's, he's, he seems very open-minded. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he will adapt to to whatever we need to sort of stay up. Um, just, I just hope we the players can step up and uh, deliver. Mm, okay. Um, so it's hypothetical now, but it's all speculation. The names that we heard bandied about... Uh, we had, I think, Sean Deitch, Rafa Benitez, Nuno Espirito Santo, um, even Callum even mentioned Bruno Large, who's only just left uh, Molyneux. None of those, well, whether or not you think that they're effective Premier League managers, and I think especially in the case of Benitez and Deitch, there's a, there's a strong argument to be made there, but none of those, you wouldn't think any of them would be able to necessarily do much better in terms of looking at the bunch of players that we've got, surely. Um, I don't know. I think they're all, all of a type where they would have maybe solidified the defence a little bit. Maybe got us a bit more organised. Um, I could see. I mean, or I could see all of them doing that. I don't think there would have been a rapturous welcome for any of them because they all, all got a bit of a reputation for boring football. Um, but that that might be what we need to do for a few weeks. At least just be boring and and just. <laughs> create a base I was I was saying pre-match Leicester that I would have been happy with a nil-nil we just really just needed a a clean sheet just just a, a foundation a foothold to build on mm. and get the season going again uh, so to lose 4-0 was was hardly ideal um, but yeah whoever it would whoever would have come in it wouldn't have been Steve Cooper so it would have been a thankless task for them I think yeah and uh, I mean let's talk about the fact that the there's been a lot of a groundswell of opinion uh, look we all know that being a football fan it can be a trying thing when things aren't going well um and we all know that social media accentuates that so sometimes the the world of opinions can be a very uh, a very difficult place to be if you're trying to be reasoned and reasonable but the thing that was very obvious is that the fans this was in many ways, a victory for fan power. And I think, as Adam alluded to, Monday night, when Steve Cooper steps out that tunnel, it's going to be... It might even rival when Stuart Pearce came back, mightn't it? Yeah, I can I can imagine it being really raucous and, and loud again and just just get the stadiums rocking up. I, I, I can imagine he's going to get... Uh, Steve Cooper's going to get a rapturous welcome when he comes out on the pitch and his name's going to be sung constantly. So... Um, I hope that I can lift the team to a uh, to a much needed victory. 
Yeah, and um, in the uh, conversation with For the Love of Paul McGraw, I did go on to say that obviously Villa are having a bit of a sticky patch. Um, I work with two or three Villa fans, and uh, one of them said to me, um, I'd have sacked Steven Gerrard about four weeks ago because the players aren't don't seem to be on his wavelength. They don't seem to be on side. And, and that's something we're constantly hearing from Forrest is that the players really like Steve Cooper and his methods and they like working with him. So hopefully that plus the, um, plus the, the, the atmosphere on Monday can be factors that will really galvanise Forrest. What do you think? You, you, you can only hope, but they've got some really good players. I mean, like so Coutinho and... Uh, and um, Watkins and Wendia and Matty mm. Cash, uh, they spent a lot of money at, down the last few years. So it's it's gonna it's not gonna be an easy game. It's it's it, they've got quality players who can hurt us. So it's gonna need a, a really really top performance from from Forest to get anything out of the game again. Yeah, and also just worth mentioning in our WhatsApp group as well when the news about Bruno Large leaving Wolves. <laughs> emerged we were kind of going oh gosh why is every team getting you know getting rid of their manager just before they play us um so they get that bounce uh, i mean it happened with bournemouth and we can only hope it doesn't happen with wolves yeah um yeah <laughs> i think i think um I, I well i don't it depends who the manager is when he comes in but I think they probably will get the manager in by then and they, they probably will get a new manager bound. So we, we've just got to make sure we're ready for it. Absolutely. Now let's um, move on and let's talk about the other person who who is remaining or who is in, shall we say, uh, Filippo Giraldi, uh, sporting director. We've had plenty of discussions in the past about, you know, we've got directors of football, technical directors, sporting directors, blah, 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 blah. Um, but this is a guy who has got experience of English football with Watford, another club notoriously volatile when it comes to uh, players in and out and managers in and out. What do you make of that appointment? And is it a positive move? Um, it's really hard to know because just, we just don't know what, what all these people do um, at the club. I mean, it's is it anything more than glorified chief scouts? I don't know. Um, but we seem to have built some sort of relationship with Watford over the, over the years. We seem to, seems to be a lot of traffic in between um, Watford and Forest. Um, so maybe they, there was a good, good understanding, good relationship between him and, and our owners um, before he came in anyway. But he's, he's, He's apparently brought through some good players there um, down the years, so hopefully he can do that again. Um, don't know if that steps on on um, Dane Murphy's toes, but I don't know what happens to the data-driven approach which we were supposedly using. And how many more players do we need? How how <laughs> how are we gonna? How can we afford any more new players come January? Or next summer, it's, it's all, all questions we will suppose we'll have to ask at the time when it comes along. And where where will they go in our twenty five man squad? Who's going to be pushed out? So um, yeah, it's hard to know. I, we, we've had this discussion many times down the last few years. What do all these people do? And the answer is we don't know. Mm, well, and and you know, you'd mentioned as we didn't talk about earlier in the conversation about Dane Murphy. Uh, or we just only touched upon it. I mean, one thing that's noticeable is that uh, Maranakis Jr. 
was very keen to be on social media and be pictured and and took the credit for some of those high profile signings early on in the summer uh conspicuous by his absence at the moment yeah yeah um <laughs> when 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 you're losing you, you probably want to stay out out of the way because uh, you you can very easily get especially on twitter you're gonna get pelters um so yeah so i, I don't blame him I'd, I'd, I'd keep quiet if i was him for for a yeah. Mm, okay um and i don't want to end on a downer but i've just had a bit of a thought so the last time a forest gaffer was awarded a new contract um while the team were going through a sticky patch um, a man who was very popular with the fans um it was sabri lamushi <laughs> it's not going to end the same way is it um i hope not i mean we do i mean it we it is it is well known in football that a contract's not worth the paper it's written on. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, maybe there is added symbolism on, in this one, just because why why give somebody a new contract when they're bottom of the league? It's just never happened before. So maybe it does mean something more on this occasion. Um, and let's just hope he can just turn it around and get us winning a few games. because It's been a miserable few weeks. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that, thanks for that. <laughs> and I mean, just very quickly, but with Murphy remaining in situ and with, you know, the new recruitment team and so on, do you reckon that's a sign that the fabric of the club is hopefully a little bit more stable than it was in the Lamushi era where there was the notorious Maranakis Zoom call and Yanis Francis as chief executive, you know, giving the hairdryer treatment to all and sundry? Hopefully things are a little bit more benign and stable now you'd hope so but i mean it's it's football such an emotional game that we could we could lose i don't know six nil to somebody from i don't know say say if we lost six nil at home to southampton then the uh the uh crockery is going to be flying and uh, people just it's an emotional game and especially if you've invested all that money it, it i can I can very easily imagine you to lose your temper and in a fit of peak, you would you would sack whoever came into sight first, whether that be Steve Cooper or Dane Murphy. So I hope it means we are more stable, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet my house on it. Mm-hmm. Um also, uh, just as a uh, a little curio relating to that, John Percy in the Telegraph, who is generally a, a reliable source. He did report that uh, apparently one of the reasons that Murphy's position was under threat was because it was seen as though Murphy had taken the credit for the appointment of Cooper. So <laughs> make of that what you will. I mean, he takes the credit for appointing the manager who got us promoted and then has now taken us to the bottom of the league. So whether that means that they're both in credit or both, uh, you know, in debt, I don't I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think they're still both in credit for the time being, but it's a, it's a it's a football is a fickle mistress, and um, it can turn very quickly. It can, but I I keep on saying, but I just I just I just really hope we turn it around and we start playing well. I just I, I can't go through the whole season of just losing every week. It's uh, it's just far too depressing. Well, all I would say to that is just remember that we. We knew when we got promoted that 
it was unexpected. It was wonderful. It was exhilarating. And we also knew, realistically, for all the optimistic talk, for all the joy about some of these high-profile players coming to the city ground, we also knew, and many of us were saying, whatever happens, let's just enjoy the ride. Because we might go down. We might go down with a whimper rather than a bang. But just to be in the Premier League after all these years is such a wonderful thing to have happened. So... uh, Listeners, I would urge you, even if we are losing every week, remember we're in the Premier League. We've waited for years for this to happen. Um, We'll be back with a match report after the game against Villa. In the meantime, thank you to Callum, thank you to Tom, and thank you to Adam, and thank you, Maradon the Midlands. Most of all, thank you for joining us, listener. We'll speak to you again on Monday. Podcast Network.